Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. This is a headline in 2023. Fights and chaos erupt as California parents protest pride event at their kids' elementary school. And of course, you look at this and the parents are looked at as just these awful, hateful, terrible, bigoted people. I think the question is, why is there a pride event in the school? Why would an elementary school have a pride event? Because you don't mean pride. You don't mean gay this or gay that. You mean trans this and trans that. By the way, there is one guy trying to attack parents with a with a bat. Just saw the video. With a baseball bat. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. You see, the the idea that we have to have these pride events and we're going to show you just how, how much we care. This isn't about caring. This is really about hate, isn't it? Because the question should be asked, why do elementary school students need a pride parade? Why do they need a pride day? Why why would elementary school students need any of this? Now understand that the progressive has no answer. Now I did not say that you as a parent can't teach your kid X, discuss with your kid Y, engage with your kid Z. I'm not opposed to any of that. I'm asking why a school has to have a pride day. Well, you're just not willing to... No, 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 no. This isn't about my bigotry or my hate. Those are all just nonsense terms you throw out there to try and stop the conversation. Why do elementary school students need to know about any of this? Why can't this be a conversation that parents have with their children? That's right. You hate the parents. That's right, you don't trust the parents. That's right, you don't believe that the parents should be the ones. You believe that you're the educators, you should be the ones. If you ever wanted to know how radical of a position the political left has, it's an elementary school having a pride parade. It's equally as radical as thinking that you could put together the letters LGBT and then add a plus or a Q or an I or an A and think that we're talking about people. You're not. You're talking about a political organization, a political organization that you want to utilize against children and utilize to cleave parents from children. Has anyone else noticed how ugly this all is? The parents there in California... In California, this is North Hollywood. They're wearing shirts that say, leave our kids alone. My gosh, does it get any more simple than that? Leave our kids alone. That's exactly it. And yet the left thinks that the kid needs this because the parent isn't good enough. 
The parent isn't providing enough. The parent isn't sharing enough. The parent isn't engaged enough. And we're the experts. Man, how many times have you heard me say it? You'll hear me say it more. This is how they continue to go about it. These parents want their kids left alone. They want them taught math and English. And the school says, we need a pride day. We're committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. In addition, out of an abundance of caution, the Los Angeles School Police Department will be providing additional patrols around the campus. You're forced to send your kid to school, and now we utilize the state to keep you from keeping an eye on what's going on with your kid. Son of a gun. Break the school system in two. Pull your kids out as fast as you can in these places. And this isn't happening in every place. But the only way they learn is if they lose money. They must be broken. They must be destroyed. These radical, radical organizations, these unions, these schools that believe that the parent is the enemy. And for the LGBTQ plus world, you really need kids? You really need elementary school kids? You need a third grader to really know about this? That's what you need? Parents can't do it? You have to teach them? So you admit you're after the kids. I'm not even saying that in a groomer way. I'm talking about that in a um, uh, uh, political, ideological way. You're after the kids. Just say it. That way everybody knows who they're fighting. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. So you have a U.S. destroyer that a Chinese warship came within 150 yards of. While this is happening, you have Antony Blinken trying to engage with the Chinese foreign minister, who I believe uh, there are sanctions against, on the anniversary, the 34th anniversary of Tiananmen Square, While the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, is trying to make uh, contact with the Chinese and the Chinese aren't interested. It seems that at every level, there is this maneuvering that China further and further wants to get into some kind of level of confrontation or goad the United States into some kind of mistake while at the same time trying to ignore the United States to show the rest of the world who's really in charge. Tony Katz, it's good to be with you. Tony Katz today, Major Mike Lyons joins us right now, retired United States Army West Point graduate. And the video that shows uh, this uh, U.S. warship, um, which is uh, the USS uh, Chung-Hoon, I believe it is, observing this Chinese Navy ship in an unsafe Chinese maneuver in the Taiwan Strait, cut directly across the bow, 150 yards away. And is this, uh, Major Lyons, because this took place in the Taiwan Strait, or is this because the Chinese are like, hey, we don't mind playing with you, there's nothing you can do to us? Thanks for having me, Tony. No, I think it is because it's in the Taiwan Strait. The, the Chinese don't believe that that's international water, and I, that's part of the, the issue here. They, they believe that they control all the shipping lanes that go through there. They don't want U.S. 
patrols in that area. That's really what this was. It's a these are you know the, that 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 destroyer is forward deployed, is fully combat loaded, ready to go. Uh, was on a patrol with uh, a ship from Canada, in fact, uh, HMS Montreal, uh, and and they looked like they're traveling in pairs. This is a show of force to try to to come back against the Americans for doing this. They they don't want to see American warships in that area, knowing full well that if something happened, that's the next time you'll see American warships in that area. The uh, the the U.S. ship, as as we were discussing, it was with a Canadian frigate, the HMCS uh, Montreal. Mm-hmm. What they refer to, according to Military dot com, is freedom of navigation transit. Right. Mm-hmm. Americans look at this. The reporting looks at this and says this is the Chinese getting aggressive with the U.S. warship. Should it be seen as the other way? This is the U.S. and now with a partner in Canada, and you know we've got the partners in Australia, and you've seen how there's this conversation of building subs that will be built in Australia and and will be docked, if you will. Uh, This is me not having the right terminology in Australia. And this is us saying we really can do whatever we want. We control the seas. You have to now heal. Yeah, I, I do. I, and the only way we're going to project power in that region is with our Navy. And I, the Navy's not going to stop doing this. So uh, I, I think from from a U.S. security perspective with our allies, given how China has been aggressive, I, I um, look from their deals that they've signed with the Solomon Islands, they, you know, they've tried to co-opt some of those countries there that were formerly, let's say, you know, U.S. friends, U.S. allies in some ways. So I don't think the Navy's going to stop. They're going to continue to project power in this manner like we can, and the Chinese are going to continue to push back like this. Now, this could be it could have been a disaster. Um, that destroyer traveling, slowing down to 10 knots is likely what it used had to do to avoid collision, which it's going to do. We're not going to we're not going to create a problem that would you can't imagine two of these you know battleships sinking in the middle of the the Taiwan Strait. That would be even a greater disaster. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. While this is happening, you've got Anthony Blinken, who is the Secretary of State, meeting with the Chinese. A lot was made of the fact that this conversation was happening and on the 34th anniversary of Tiananmen Square. Um, yeah. Do you do you take something of that? Is that considered a victory for China? And if so, how? Uh, Tiananmen Square, from their perspective, it is. I mean, it uh, locked the country down for another thirty plus years. Um, we we pick and choose the things that we want to you know highlight in our uh, from our country's perspective with our relationship with China. But um, but you know we're we're about to embark on what's going to be another. Cold War between us and China that's going to have a lot more maybe serious implications because this isn't Russia. This isn't the Soviet Union, so to speak. This is uh, you know a formidable economic power with um, a rising military that, you know, again, we can argue whether or not that w- when if it had to be used, it, w- it would work or not. But um, I think it could be a lot worse. So we, we definitely poke the Chinese here in some level. And it doesn't surprise me that their defense minister did not meet with uh, Secretary Austin at that at that security meeting, which is normally what happens every year in Singapore during this time frame. So, so let's get into that. Two things happened here. You have Anthony Blinken meeting with his uh, counterpart, but you have Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, where the Chinese refused to meet. What is the play there? Well, I, I, 
think, you know, despite the handshake, really, that Blinken had and, and, and what Austin had with the defense secretary, I think it's showing us the message from the Chinese is that um, we'll talk diplomatically, but we're going to keep our military as far apart at this point. We don't, we don't want any relationship to take place between the U.S. military industrial complex right now and the Chinese military systems. I mean, this is a long way from when Donald Trump was president, when you had Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Staff, felt the need to call his Chinese counterpart and tell him that, you know, things are okay here, nothing's going to happen. Um, I think I think the Chinese have taken advantage of the Biden administration. They've, they've, they've now used this to reset this relationship completely in the in the wrong direction um, and make it to the point where uh, it's going to be even more difficult, I think, for this administration to sit down with China to figure out, you know, where we where we go forward. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army military analyst. What does that mean, that this relationship is being reset in the wrong direction? Explain that. Well, I, you know, we've already got sanctions against most of these, some of these individuals that you have here already. So we've got a kind of, we're very, let's say we're negative right now. We have work to do to get even and then potentially move positive. But I, I don't see I don't see that happening, given the fact that we, you know, we're not able to agree on even where we're going to meet right now. It seems as though the Chinese really want to set the terms on this. And I, I think they're not going to be, be satisfied with that until they get certain sanctions removed. It's similar to the situation in Iran. They want they want certain things to change first before they're going to sit down and talk uh, about the future. So so think of it as, again, we're underwater trying to get even, trying to get our head above water to try to move forward. Um, and, and I think the Chinese are going to keep it in that direction until they get certain sanctions removed and get certain things changed before the negotiations even start. Let's take it the other way just for a moment. I've seen a couple of moves from Biden uh, on this that I thought were actually stronger than they would ever do. If the move in the Taiwan Strait with our Canadian uh, allies was to remind China that we will travel any place we choose to travel, the seas belong to us, that's a position of strength. And not weakness. So how is this actually a... And, and by the way, I, we should be clear. I'm totally fine with traveling the Taiwan Strait. I think we should do it uh, morning, noon, and night. We should send cruises up there like they're the Viking cruises on the Danube. We should just be, be traveling all over the place and dare China to mess with us. My question is, how is that not a, a complete show of strength to the rest of the world? I think the rest of the world still, unfortunately, based on some of the conduct of this administration, is not sure that the United States is going to still be that ally for them. I think that's we're suffering the malaise from Afghanistan still. I think that that the the Biden administration picks and chooses these times when they try to be strong. But I, I think we've got to put more time, unfortunately, between what happened in Afghanistan with our allies versus what's what's happening here. And, and if the pivot to the Pacific actually takes place, something that Obama talked about when he was president, um, that then, then is this the right team? Is this the right administration to do that? I, I'm still not sure. If, the, if this administration is not trusted by the Chinese, if you bring in another administration, especially a Republican administration, who's going to be much more hard line about it. You look at every Republican politician in Congress right now, they're much more hard line about what China's done with uh, stealing our intellectual property, uh, trade, uh, secrets, everything, top to bottom, I think it's going to, again, get a lot worse. 
We take a look at the the non-meeting, as we discussed, with the defense minister. And, of course, everything is about trying to gain advantage. But let's start with a baseline. Why does the defense minister, uh, why does the defense secretary of the United States, Lloyd Austin, even want to meet with the with the Chinese? What's the... What was the point of the ask? And and when you deal with a culture like China, isn't the ask the weakness in and of itself? Yeah, I guess from what I know about Secretary Austin, I just he's he's a you know above reproach. I think he just wants to maintain the high ground in that regard and try not to make it any, anything more than that. And maybe they're asking for something they knew they weren't going to get anyway. So. It checks a block on his side that says, "Hey, look, we you know we tried to talk, we got a, we got a handshake out of it, but that was it." Um, it, it just from the Chinese perspective, it was too premature, you know. Given 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 not just the destroyer incident, there was an incident about the the, uh, the Chinese buzzing spy planes and buzzing all kinds of other things. So th- this this cat and mouse game has become Cold War like. It's become what the Russians and the United States were doing back in the eighties, checking to see on re- reliability, checking to see on response times. That's what's happening right now, uh, based on people I'm talking to also in the Navy. Uh, and that's why they're, they're doing these patrols and they're bringing other allies in. And you're going to see Australia more involved with them as well. Uh, and I think, from, again, from Austin's perspective, he's just trying to you know keep the high ground there. The high ground is 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 the right ground. Isn't isn't there something to be said for uh, uh, ignore them and uh, they'll eventually come to you? Well, I, you know, he, he's got he's got this administration to deal with that still wants to try to give olive branches out. I think I, I, they're not they're not they're not they're not a hard line. This administration is still not a hard line. And, and similar to the way Barack Obama felt about the Iranians, that you know we can get a deal done with them. I, you know, deep down, I do I do think that uh, Joe Biden and his people around him. Uh, from his national security advisor all the way to Secretary of State to even, you know, even Lloyd Austin thinks they can get something done. So this is that this, this is how they're going to approach it. I, I don't think that uh, from their technique it's any good or bad. I just think this is what they're going to. This is how they're going to approach it. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to to be with us. Uh, the continued push by the Chinese requires continued response from us. And I absolutely favor, I absolutely favor the pro-action. I favor traveling the Taiwan Strait. I favor engaging in war games with allies in the South China Sea. And people say, well, Tony, you're just engaging in provocative measures. Everything that we do, no matter where it is, will be considered by China as a provocative measure. That's how they will see it. That's how they will respond to it. So as long as they're going to do that, no matter where it is, why not do that? Because as we often discuss, it's like when you're in a political debate. The person is yelling at you. That's not who you're debating. It's a person watching who can learn something. This is for the rest of the world. Remember whose side to be on. It's very important. This is Tony Katz today. We believe that parents have a fundamental right to direct the education and upbringing of their children. The school systems are important 
but they're there to support the community. They're not there to supersede the rights of parents and what they think is appropriate. And so we've enacted protections for parents, such as curriculum transparency, so that they have a right to know what books are being used and what curriculum is being taught to their kids. And unfortunately, there's bad stuff that's getting into the schools. There's pornography that's getting into the schools. So the parents have had to blow the whistle in Florida. They've had to, they've had to, yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Um, we, we, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's someone in Iowa calling Ron DeSantis a fascist. That's a bleep it out because it was a blanking fascist because of course I disagree with you so therefore you must be a fascist I want to be able to feed children as much sexual imagery as humanly possible and they should totally be able to see at 8 years old what anal and oral sex are my gosh what kind of educator are you if you don't want to do these things oh that's right you're just a parent you don't know about education leave it to us the experts we have college degrees don't you know holy crap these people really buy into their own nonsense tony katz tony katz today what's going on good to be with you find everything at tonycats.com that's where you find it all so desantis is in iowa this this woman calls him a blanking fascist the people start booing and he goes yeah 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 well first he starts by saying thank you and then he goes yeah 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 and then he then he figures out his place and remembers what he's supposed to say. We're not going to let you impose an agenda on our kids. We're going to stand up for our kids. We're going to make sure to do it right. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Those people like that in Florida are the people we beat every single day on policy. We do not let them win. We win all these battles. We're not letting them indoctrinate our kids. Not now on our watch. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. Not on our watch. We're not going to let them do it. That's it. It took them a while to get there. And for the people who are saying that he's you know, awkward or things like there are moments, sure. Now, I don't care about those things as much as I care about the policy. I'm much more policy-driven. I don't need personalities. I've got enough personality. Thank you very much. I don't care, really, about my presidents. I, it, it doesn't matter. What I want is what I want. I want the things that allow me to have chock-fulls of personality. I don't care if they've got a personality. Just do what I tell you. So it took him a while to get to the right place and the right way to react, which had to be one of strength, because in that situation, you'd be compared to Trump. And you want to be able to show that you can have the fight. So it took him a while to get there, and I think that's the issue. He's got to be much quicker. And he has to do it in a way that is a little more happy warrior. But there was nothing wrong with it. We're not going to let you get away with this. We're not going to let you do this. We're going to stand up for our kids. We're not going to allow the indoctrination. They, they try this all the time in Florida, and we beat them every time, guys, because we're on the right side, and we've got the right ideas, right? So you got to keep that, that kind of thing upbeat. Did Nikki Haley hit the upbeat yesterday in her town hall uh, on there on, on CNN? Did the town hall with uh, Jake Tapper, who is uh, losing his voice, and I wish that would happen more often and on a more permanent level. 
And there's actually some, uh, there's this conversation that Alyssa Farrah Griffin had uh, this morning, I think it was, on, on, on CNN regarding Nikki Haley. I'm like, I'm, I haven't even listened to it yet. I'm like, I am going to absolutely listen to that thing live with you and break it down. I haven't done that in a while, and I love, it's dangerous, but I love doing it. I'll get to that. But this was some of Nikki Haley in this uh, in this town hall. No, I don't trust government to deal with red flag laws. I don't trust that they will that they won't take them away from people who rightfully deserve to have them because you've got someone else judging whether someone should have a gun or not. It is a constitutional right that people can protect and defend themselves. What I want is the feds to do their job. What I want us is to take illegal guns off the street. What I want us to do is deal with mental health the way it deserves to be dealt with. And what I want is for us to have the backs of law enforcement so that they can do their jobs. That's when we'll start to get safety back on our streets. She, I think, in large measure, did well in the in this town hall. And, and it's interesting, large measure is that people have not necessarily heard Nikki Haley speaking on her own accord, right? They haven't heard her in her own voice. It's it's mostly been in a, a punditry voice, and it's mostly been uh, in reference to conversations uh, about Trump or maybe when she was in the administration. So... So I think this was good for her in that way. Now, plenty of things she said, that's going to have people talking. I've been on the record to say that while I think that we had issues, I don't think that any of them changed the election. I have also said when he said it was a beautiful day, January 6th, I think January 6th was a terrible day. I will say whatever is my truth. And I've always done that. And I've done that on both of those things. You cannot use the terminology, my truth. Now, most people be like, oh, she, she's talking about January 6th. I think it's the expression, my truth. Don't you dare, Ambassador Haley. Who on your team said you should do that? Hey, if you use my truth, you'll get a whole set of this audience. Bullcrap. It sounds disingenuous as the day is long. Now, it could be that I am radically hypersensitive to that kind of phrasing because I know it's bullcrap. There is no my truth. There is truth. My truth. You sound silly. But did the January 6th conversation hurt her? Well, look, she's not going to get the Trump supporter anyway, and that's why she felt very okay with this. I mean, Kim Jong-un is a thug, and if you see what he has done to his own people in North Korea... When money went to North Korea, it didn't go to feed their people. It went to feed their nuclear program. There's nothing good or decent about Kim Jong-un. There's no reason we should ever congratulate the fact that they are now vice chair of the World Health Organization. And it goes to the fact that also the World Health Organization is a farce to start with. Now, this is the truth. The World Health Organization is a farce. We know this for a fact. We know that they lied. We know that they lied to protect China. We know this. And the World Health Organization put Kim Jong-un, North Korea, in their, uh, on their executive uh, team. I don't even know what the position is going to be. Trump tweets out uh, via um, well, uh, Truth Social, congratulations, Kim Jong-un. Why would you do that? 
Why would you congratulate Kim Jong-un? First, it just leaves all of the openings for the people who want to hit you. Here's uh, former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, The World Health Organization let uh, America and the world down during the COVID pandemic. I mean, they literally were complicitous in in covering up what was happening uh, in China. And we held them to account. Uh, during our administration. But look, whether it's my former running mate or anyone else, no one should be praising uh, the dictator in North Korea or or praising uh, the, uh, the, the, the leader of Russia who has launched uh, an unprovoked war of aggression in Ukraine. This is a time when we ought to make it clear to the world that we stand for freedom and we stand with those who stand for freedom. So it's just low-hanging fruit, the idea of congratulating Kim Jong-un. I think the bigger story is, I had brought this up on my morning show, and now I see that she had brought it up as well. Why would you congratulate anybody for being part of the World Health Organization, an organization you know is filled with frauds and liars? Which is why, of course, they went with Kim Jong-un. Why would you congratulate anybody on this move? As a matter of, of just sheer politics, this was a bad move from Trump. It was an easy thing to attack from the politicos regarding Kim Jong-un. The bigger story will be from your own base. We don't trust the World Health Organization. Why would you congratulate anybody for being a part of it? He, what, is he going to clean it up? Silly. Silly, silly stuff right there. Mistake on mistake on mistake from uh, uh, Donald Trump there. But Haley did a couple other things, and this one, um, she's talking about election integrity. This has some third rail possibilities to it. I think it's important that voters want to have election integrity. That's the biggest thing. And I've seen, when I was at the United Nations, there's nothing worse than when a country and their citizens don't trust the election system. So when you look at what happened, You know, you had mail-out balloting that we know was happening. We know that there was harvesting that was happening. And then you had secretaries of state that did things without approval from their legislature. Those are pretty serious. And so what we've seen happen in states is they've started to pass election integrity laws, which we need to have. And I think that's really important. And I've said all of what happened, none of that would have changed the results of the election. We know that um, President Biden is the president. But I do think it goes to say we need to continue to have election integrity laws. When I was governor in South Carolina, we pushed for a um, on the record. I'm sorry. We pushed to make sure that we had transparency in voting. And when we did, we had voter ID. And when we did, they said we were disenfranchising voters. I was vilified by the media at the time. And I said, if you've got to show picture ID to buy Sudafed, if you've got to show picture ID to get on a plane, you should have to show picture ID to protect the integrity of the election. Now, she's 100% accurate about that. And you'll notice how she does the spin. Trump is wrong, Biden's president. Oh, by the way, this, right? So it was a great couching. And so part of, I think, this this town hall isn't actually about the voters. This town hall very much seems to me to be a donor class conversation. Look at how I can handle these things. Look at how adept I am. Look at how I can work on my feet. You are absolutely correct to donate to me. 
Look how I can move this, couch this, maneuver this, etc. For the for the for the Trump acolyte, man, this is just going to create much more hate. And did she give short shrift to the idea that you know it's one thing to say election integrity. It's another thing to not admit that there were issues in this election because there were issues in this election because there were issues in this election to say otherwise is crazy town. If you don't think there were issues in 2020, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do with you. And if you don't think there were issues in 2022, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do with you. Do I think that the election was stolen from Donald Trump? No. I actually think Trump loses. Do I think that Pennsylvania should never have been certified? Yes. Do I think that these issues out of Fulton County in Georgia needed serious investigation and it didn't happen? Yes. Do I still think Trump lost the election? Yes. Tony, you just said, I know what I just said. And even without the 20 electoral votes that I never would have certified from Pennsylvania... Biden still would have won on the electoral side. There were places that Trump did not win that he needed to win, that he won in 2016 and he lost in 2020, and damn it, that should be noticed. And I think it's part of the reason why you see people very much pushing for DeSantis is because they don't think Trump has done enough or has learned anything to go back and get those things. Can't get Pennsylvania, and he can't get Michigan, and he can't get Wisconsin, and they're like, who can that, I, and and that's, that's a real electoral math argument, one worthy of conversation, not of idolatry from, I, from anybody, but rather conversation about how do you capture this, what are the counties here, how do you grab them, etc. I, I think it's, that, that, that's a big story. Is Biden the president? Yes, Biden's uh, the, the president. If you say to me just, though, election integrity without noticing, there were real issues. And sorry, Jake Tapper, if you're not willing to notice there were real issues, there's no point in you. And if you tell me, well, the courts didn't see, the courts didn't take up many of the cases, and they should have, especially the Supreme Court, which failed its task in protecting the American people. Its job is to take these cases up. And then they could have put this thing to rest, and they didn't. And shame on John Roberts, that hyper-political justice. That's a correct answer, by the way. It's an honest answer. So do I think that that she uh, was, was, was walking a razor's edge here? Yes. And she gave to who she wanted to give to, which I think is the donor class. She gave the Trump uh, acolyte uh, and, and people who are certainly aware that there were issues a lot more reasons to be like, oh, come on now. Come on now, Nikki Haley. But in the main... Thought it was a solid performance from her. And she did not leave Ron DeSantis out of the mix. So I think that, first of all, we need to understand that, yes, Social Security will go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare will go bankrupt in eight. But we shouldn't take away from anyone who is put into the system. We should keep our promises. Everyone who's been promised should get it. My kids are in their 20s. They're the ones we go to and we say we're raising light. We're raising the retirement age to reflect life expectancy. We limit benefits on the wealthy instead of cost of living increases. Let's do increases based on inflation and let's expand Medicare Advantage plans. That's what we need to do to start really taking on entitlement reform. We have to do it because we can't keep kicking this can down the road. And I know that Trump and DeSantis have both said we're not going to deal with entitlement reform. Well, all you're doing is leaving it for the next president. And that's leaving a lot of Americans in trouble. 
she sounds clear and qualified there. This was good for her, but this was absolutely for the donor class, in my view. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. I don't know if I had to remind anybody that Joe Biden signed the debt limit increase and then gave the speech and everything's just super groovy. Actually wasn't a bad speech from the White House. He talked about what we could do together and how Republicans and Democrats came together and everybody negotiated in good faith and Kevin McCarthy did this right and that. And you were like, my gosh, you would think you would think that we were a country that was actually coming together. And then you realize, well, everything that Biden just said is done, you know, is undone by everything else he has ever said. No one has been more divisive, but he keeps talking about coming together. And what I think is happening here is that he has a hard time keeping track of which guy he is. The traditional Democrat Joe Biden actually believes in the crossing the aisle stuff. The progressive left Joe Biden wants to burn everybody else to the ground. His nice guy thing, his nice guy shtick was never based on reality. It's based solely on a perception. But he can't stop his old school Democrat self from thinking this is a good way to get things done. But then the progressive side comes in and says, destroy the enemy. So his Oval Office speech, nice. Too bad it's not really where he's at. This is Tony Katz today.